welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. Hello, hello, anarchist community. On today's episode, we have activist Corey Ray join us for a conversation about what she's done with the cards she's been dealt to change the lives of others. Together, we talk about the oppression and marginalization of the transgender community, the importance of finding our truth and living it out loud, and waking up to our responsibility of advocating for a brighter future. It's so clear to anyone who listens to this episode that Corey is speaking her truth. There is so much to learn from her journey and the vulnerability that she shares about the ups and downs and the U-turns of her path. And so I just first want to say thank you, Corey, for showing up as a bright light to others. And I know so many people are going to resonate with your message and it's so important to realize that, yes, we are all going through shit. And in that, how can we hold better space for the people around us? So thank you, Corey. And I hope everyone enjoys this episode. And also, since it is a new month, it is April, we have a new mutual aid that we will be supporting with the Patreon pledges from the Modern Anarchy family. So for the month of April, we will be supporting Insight, which is a Ukrainian LGBTQ plus and feminist nonprofit that is helping people in Ukraine with covering the basic needs right now for protection, safety, and health during the war. And I mean, with everything going on, I felt like this was the right thing to be focusing our resources towards. So if you want to support not only the making of this podcast, but also supporting the world in more acceptance, more liberation, more love for the diversity of the human experience, then check out the Patreon link below. I also have a link to Insight and also resources to learn more below that. My favorite one I plugged from this conversation was why is the sky blue? So if you want to hear more about how that comes up in conversation, then y'all tune in. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm going through a lot with school right now and a lot of things going on in my life that have been like pretty wild and heavy, but... We all have those spaces. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like school, being in school really makes it happen a lot faster. (laughs) It's like one new thing every week, so that's been crazy. Uh, What were you up to today? Um, I had a photo shoot earlier today and just Ooh. running around doing errands, just made some vegan chicken nuggets. Nice. Um, and now I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Do you have any questions about me, about the podcast before we start? No? I don't think so. Um, is there anything you want me to know? 
No, I mean, I guess, so I consider it your space. Like, I want to talk about what you're passionate about and what you want to share with the world, and I'll just continue okay. with you and want to hear more of your journey and what you're passionate about and what you're advocating for. And so I leave it wide open for you to take the reins, and I'll play with you, and we'll just talk. Okay. Yeah. Do you have, like, an initial question, maybe? Well, so then to someone who doesn't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Someone who doesn't know me, how would I introduce myself? Um, I'm Corey. Mm -hmm. I was born in Los Angeles, but I was raised on the East Coast and lived on the East Coast for about 17 years between New York and New Jersey. Um, I moved out to Los Angeles five years ago to pursue a life of LA in my 20s. It was always really important for me to move back here. I moved in the middle of second grade, which was really mm -hmm. hard because it was right when I was really starting to discover who I was. I was being mm. more cognizant of the world, yeah. cognizant of how parents and peers perceived me and went from a place in Los Angeles, which is a very open, more progressive environment than a small, incredibly affluent town in suburban New Jersey. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that was interesting. And I loathe the cold weather. I would mm -hmm. much rather be dripping sweat than freezing cold. And I always said to myself, I would move back to Los Angeles in my twenties and kind of live out my life. I always uh, looked up to my mom who I still do look up to my mom who my was born in California and is yeah. a true Valley girl. And I always wanted to be a California girl, even though I like to say I have a California look with a New York attitude mm. and which has helped me a lot in Los Angeles, having the hustle and grind of a New yeah. Yorker, the look yes. of a California girl. Yes. Um, and I came out here really with no plan, no job, no mm. apartment, no money. Um, so bold. Yeah. Oh yeah. One way ticket just kind of knew I needed to be here. I knew that my connections and my network and my dating had hit a mm. map in New York. And I wanted to see what else was out there for me. And I had no idea what was to come, but I had just started a blog, not even a year into a blog called I'm Corey Ray on my okay. website, CoreyRay.com. And that blog was my way of sharing my story as a transgender woman. Mm -hmm. I transitioned at the age of 16 in high school and won prom queen, which made me the first ever transgender girl to do so. Yes. And, um, which I did not know at the time, but, um, then I went off to college and I lived stealth, which means I did not disclose to anyone for five years, for four years of college wow. and one year after college that I had transitioned in high school and that I was transgender. So wow. my college friends didn't know, my professors didn't know, any employers didn't know, my boyfriend did not know. Whoa. Uh, yes. Um, so that was a lot. And it weighed very heavily on me. And I don't think I really realized the damage I was doing to my own mental health at the time. Yeah. I keep it a big secret, but wow. um, I kept that secret because... Uh, it wouldn't have been safe for me in college to disclose to anyone at the time. Yeah. You know, Orange and the New Black, Orange and the New Black had just come on. So like Laverne Cox was just rising as a star. Caitlyn Jenner was not out of the closet yet. Mm. 
this was a very, very, very different time. I mean, yeah. I found the term transgender in 2006 um, when I was in the eighth grade. Transitioned in 2009 and, or 2009, 2010, you know, had sexually assignment surgery in 2012, you know, graduated college, it was 2015. Like these were, it was a long time ago. And I don't yeah. think it has happened in such a short amount of time. And so it wasn't safe for me to, you know, really talk about it. And yes. the media was not talking about it. And if they were, it was not in a great manner, not even, not that they do it in a great manner now, but definitely not back then. And so, so I came out in June, 2016 during pride month after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And it was the first wow. attack on the LGBTQI plus community that really hit close to home. It was yeah. the first time that I had seen. And so I wanted to start advocating and being an activist for the community because I was in the room with people who mm. had talked about Caitlyn Jenner and were talking about the Vern Cox in such a negative way. And I was Jeez. thinking myself, if only you knew that you were talking to a transgender person. Yeah. So I came out with a blog post called Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself. And posted it on Facebook and Instagram. And that was me telling the world for the first time in five years that I was trans. Wow. And uh, that kind of led to the activism. And I was still in New York. I was working in hospitality. I hated it. And I just knew there was something else for me. Mm. So that's when I, you know, I actually asked my grandparents to help me with the one-way ticket. Um, I had literally had no money. Oh my god! I was god. swimming in college loans. Still am swimming in college loans. <laughs> I feel loans. that. Uh, yeah, and um, and yeah, I just came out here hoping for the best, and the best is happening. Wow. That's good. Wow. Yes. Wow. What a deep journey. I can't even imagine the amount of emotional weight and ups and downs that you've gone through on this process to getting to be safe to be who you are today. Yeah. Ugh. Tough, but worth it for sure. Yeah. I know you mentioned a lot of this started in second grade. Could you talk to me? Yeah. Like what was going on even then for you? Second grade was a big year because of the transition from LA to Short Hill. Yeah. But I really think that I started to become cognizant of others' opinions of me around Mm. the age of like three or four. Okay. Yeah. And memories of it started around four, five. And the only reason why I know about the age of three is because I've seen home videos of like me being gifted what my male cousin was gifted and me going over to my cousin and taking the baby doll out of her hands and things like that. And me saying, you know, I opened up this present, there's this video. I'm like, I don't want that. And my mom was like, Corey, just say thank you. And we'll go to the store and get you something else. I'm like, but I don't want it. And I'm like plugging out my vest because I knew that vest meant male. And yeah. You know, my mom had told my grandparents, don't buy Corey a boy toy. Corey wants girl toys. And my grandparents, you know, being the 90s, were like, well, the therapist says to introduce boy toys to Corey so that Corey can And of course, my mom was like, don't do that. And what happened is I said, I don't want that. So, which my grandparents never again (laughs) gave me any male presents and are my biggest supporters. Um, And so... You know, I, mm. I realized that all young, but New Jersey was just, you know, such a new thing for me and starting a new school and seeing how different New Jersey was than Los Angeles slash California. And so yeah. 
I also started to like get really become really attracted to boys. I had a, I had a crush on boys in California, but like my first big crush that lasted from like the second grade until high school. Mm. Um, you know, we became infatuated with him, and he was my neighbor. A long time, my yeah. Class. Very long time. Um, because he also I knew was attracted to me because yeah. he'd like tickle my arm in class, and we'd have playdates, and he touched my sure. chest, and like. You know, I was always so feminine mm-hmm. and had such an effeminate nature that boys picked up on it, but then didn't know how to deal with it because they saw boy, but felt woman. And so that lasted my all of elementary school and middle school and high school wow. Wow. where these boys were attracted to me, but didn't know what to do about it. Oh, and then once they started transitioning, they were like, let's hook up, but in secret. <sighs> I would hook up with guys oh once my a God. totally in secret and everyone knew, but they would never admit it. And I would always get asked by their friends, like, why are you lying? Hi, cat. I know. I bet cat comes in. Why? You know, they'd be like, why are you lying? I know you're not hooking up with X or I know you're not hooking up with Y. And I'm like, uh, ask them, like, see what they have to say. Like, I'm not going to say. Wow. So, you know, it was a very interesting, uh, you know, it is what it, it is. Like no one was talking about transgender when I was transitioning in high school. People thought it was another word for gay. Yeah. Uh, they didn't understand the difference. People still don't understand the difference between sexuality and gender, but yes. it was just, yeah, it was just very, a very different, interesting time. Oh my and, God. Um, and yeah, so I think that's also part of the reason why I wanted to become an activist and, and start working in Hollywood and yeah. because it's all different, but I've, I'm a success story to date. Yeah. And, yes. um, and, and will, and will be, and I, I, I am proof of what happens when a child is loved and supported unconditionally from day one, no matter yeah. what, and supported by their parents, supported by their temples or places of worship, supported by their school, supported by yeah. most of their friends, supported by the community, mm. um, able to date, able to get horm- on hormone blockers so that I could make an informed decision about my own body and, and, yes. and, and, and start estrogen and surgeries. Not that every trans person needs hormones or needs surgery or needs a new closet, but if you want it, it's proof that it can work. And yeah. because I transitioned so young and was able to make informed decisions about my own body, it proves that I can grow up to be happy and successful and a positive person. And, yes. and I'm in a relationship now and it's a healthy relationship and he loves me for me. And so, you know, I, I wanted to become a, mm. a person for other people to look up to and yes. say, Corey went through this and that means I can get through it too. Wow. Ugh. Yes. And you are that person that people can look up to and hearing so much of the struggles that you had to go through. And I think you said you are a success story. And I think the unsuccessful stories is the painful reality that the rates of suicide are significantly higher for transgender individuals. That is what we're talking about here is that not a lot of people can make it out of what you did, knowing the amount of internal pain, this whole yeah. Oh my God. That and it's also the the width of the marginalization of trans women and specifically trans women of color. Yes, exactly. Around the world, which is why we have Transgender Day of Remembrance and we also have Transgender Day of Visibility mm-hmm. because we need to see that trans people, yes, are are, are committing suicide and we have these rates of depression and anxiety and, and self-harm. And unfortunately, 
suicide, but also victims of brutal murders yes. and harassment and yes. assault for being who yes. we want to be. Yes. For wanting to go to the bathroom in a comfortable that makes us feel more comfortable. I mean, I, I think it's about the bathroom debate. It's like, they're trying to rape our kids. It's like, no, we're the ones in danger going into these bathrooms because you could hurt us. Yes. We just, we don't want to bother you. Yes. We just want to like be able to live our lives. Yes. So, um, anyway, and- I got in trouble recently by a fan who I was on another podcast and I said, it was taken out of context, but I had said, you know, we're not trying to make a ruckus. We just want to live. Mm. which was taken out of context. I was saying, you know, we don't want to make a ruckus in a bathroom. We just want to live. But I think the person thought, well, we should be making a ruckus in the world. And I'm like, of course we should be standing up for ourselves and and fighting for our rights and all this stuff and making noise in that way. Mm -hmm. But we're just trying to go to the fucking bathroom. I don't need to make a big deal. And like, you know, what do I want to look at a little boy fucking peeing in the bathroom or a little girl peeing in the bathroom? Like, no, I'm not a a predator. I'm not a pedophile. I'm just trying to pee. Right. because I transitioned at a time before people were talking about the bathroom issue, I'm proof that I'm not trying to go to the bathroom for any other reason than going to the bathroom right? in a place that makes me feel comfortable. So there's all these things that are going on against our community. And then on top of it, we're being killed. Yes. And on top of it, we're harming ourselves because we don't have enough proof that it can work to support us mm-hmm. from a young age, to let us go through the process of deciding what's best for us. I understand that there are rare, rare cases of people who do detransition or who are in the middle of transitioning and realize it's not for them, or maybe they're non-binary or more fluid, but no one wants to go through this as a choice. It's because they know it will make them feel better. Mm. And so all these things lead me to say like, I have decided to become an activist for this community, yes. let people know that there are so many different ways of going about being yes. transgender and living our lives. I'm one very binary, I mean, you see me, I'm in my pink, I'm my butterfly, my makeup, like I'm a very binary transgender woman. Yeah. And there's obviously very bi- non-binary transgender people. Mm-hmm. So there's no one way of, of us being, and I want to show one way of it, which is the very feminine, very positive, very happy, successful one. But yeah. you are right. It's, it is not to, to say that there aren't horrible things happening in our community. And those, yeah. and those stories are still crucial to, to showing people what we go through. But mm-hmm. I also want to be able to show people the other side of things exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah, completely. And I mean, I'm thinking about when you were talking about the bathroom and just even this concept of showing up safely as your authentic self, why does that scare other people? Ego. I think uh, ego is deep-rooted in, in the fear of change. We do not want to accept the fact that maybe we're wrong or the people who raised us are wrong or the people who have influenced us are wrong. For instance, let's say I was brought up to believe that the sky was blue and someone comes along and says, well, actually the sky is only blue because it's a reflection of the ocean. It's probably opposite actually, but like, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, it's blue because it's blue. And someone's like, well, no, it's actually blue because it's this reflection. I'm now have to say, oh, well, probably my teacher was wrong. I might be wrong. My mom was yeah. wrong. My, my rabbi was wrong. Someone who's taught me something is wrong. So it offends me 
and then I'm angry about it or I'm defensive about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to admit that something could be true that I have believed in for so long. Exactly. And so I go against it. I put up this wall. I say, hey, no, this mm -hmm. is wrong. I don't want to be wrong. Yep. And I think that's the biggest problem is that people don't want to dig deep. People yeah. don't want to think. People want easy. They want convenience. Mm -hmm. They want to be right. And I think it takes special people who are progressive, who want to evolve, who want to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we have such a problem in our country specifically. And I think that it is an issue. I know that some people want to protect their family, friends, places of worship. I understand that. But at some point, I think people need to start to really open up their eyes and think about what they're doing. And self-reflection is not taught in school. Mental health is not taught in school. Gender and sexuality, maybe sexuality, a binary version of sexuality, are not taught in school. You know, one of the reasons why I learned I was different was in the fifth grade. We're going off to middle school. We had the nurses from the middle school come and they split up boys and girls. And I was so upset that I was with the boys learning oh. silly things like put on deodorant. You're going to get armpit hair where the girls are learning about their periods. And when I learned that the girls were learning about periods, I'm like, why did I, why am I get a period? And I was like, wow, like boys are taught. They can do whatever the fuck they want and just put on some deodorant and girls are taught you know, stick a tampon in that's probably full of chemicals so that, you know, you can plug yourself up and don't, we don't have to deal with you. And that was one of the first times I really realized how much better off men have it in this world and how easy it is for men. And for me, and I always check my privilege, even as a trans woman, even with all of the shit that I have gone through, I am blonde. I fit the societal um, standard of beauty, both yeah. for male and female. Yeah. I am white. I have yep. green eyes. I am, I am pretty much as, 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 as privileged and also rare in coloring as it comes. Sure. Yeah. And you know, maybe not the whiteness, but like the eye color and the hair color and I'm Jewish and like, you know, which is actually, that's actually not going for me to be honest with you, but I look yeah. No, I don't look Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so I've got all this privilege. I'm non-Jewish passing. I'm non-trans, you know, all these things where like, I have an opportunity to show people yes. because I have the privilege. Yes. It used to be called passing privilege for trans women, like, mm -hmm. which is made up of two things. Your socioeconomic background, can yeah. you afford to transition? Therapy, yeah. hormones, surgery right. if you want it, new clothes if you need it, hair, yeah. whatever. Yep. And your genetic makeup. Mm -hmm. Do you look more, let's talk about trans women. Do you look more feminine? Are you shorter? Uh, do you look more like your mother than your father? Are you smaller framed? Things like that. Yeah. Your genetic makeup and your socioeconomic background come together to create passing privilege. And I had all the passing privilege in the world because I was young. I was able to transition at an age where I was just, I was a late bloomer, I will say. But at 16, I was just starting to go through puberty. So my voice was starting to deepen. My shoulders might've just started to broad, get broader. I, you know, was growing leg hair, things like that, but everything was blonde. Everything was manageable at the time. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. Like I had all this privilege and I ran away from being transgender. And then I came back to it mm. to empower myself and to empower others. Yeah. What can happen if we're supported from a young age? And I know that not all and Actually, a majority of transgender people will not be able to transition young 
right now. And that's okay. The number one thing I always advise people on is that no two people on planet earth are the same. So no two transgender people on this earth Mm. are the same, which means no two transitions are going to be the same. Yes. And I don't want people in a world of comparing ourselves to others to compare themselves to me or to Laverne Cox or Janet Mock or MJ Rodriguez or Gigi Gorgeous or Trace Lissette or Tommy Dorfman to any of these women that they see on the internet because all of us are different. Right. And I know all these women and we're all different and we're all lovely and we've all had our own problems and mm-hmm. our own struggles and our trials and tribulations. And what got us through are those hardships and learning from them. And so, you know, a lot of these people, I'm definitely probably the youngest of these women I just named to transition. Mm -hmm. I think the only person I can think of is really Jazz Jennings, Mm -hmm. who's like the younger version or Rebecca Brizahoff, who I interviewed recently. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those girls are so young. They had supportive parents. It's they're another example. I'm kind of the in-between of like the women I named and, you know, Jazz and Rebecca. Yeah. stage where I feel like the 20 year olds and 30 year olds can relate to me because like cisgender and transgender people can relate to me because I'm not a child right now. And I'm not, you know, an older adult, I will say. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like there was this gap that I could fill in showing people like what life could be like and, and, and sharing myself with them and, mm-hmm. and, and showing people that like, it doesn't look the same for anybody. Yes. And I know I've had this privilege. I know I'm incredibly lucky and I'm, and I'm so grateful and thankful for my mom and for the mm-hmm. people who supported me. But I'm here now for the people that don't have the support. Yes. And I want people to know that like, it's okay to not be me or to mm-hmm. be with other women and that it'll happen on your, on your own time and when it's right for you and when it's safest for you. So it might not be before you're 18 years old. It might be when you're 40. It might be when you're 60, but right. it can happen for you when it's best for you. Mm. And that's what I really want people to take away from me. Right. And I think that that's something that you're showing even in your own story, right? You acknowledged your truth, but then in high school decided that it wasn't the safe space to talk about it, right? Or in college, you said in college, it wasn't the safe space. And so even in that, you're showing the fluidity of your own journey of when you come out and speak and when you don't, right? This is something that's going to be specific to anybody and you have stayed in contact with your authentic self and your truth the whole process. 100%. And I think that like, kind of the word authenticity gets thrown around a lot yeah. these days, which it didn't used to be. I used to like have it on my Instagram bio and it used to be like a cool thing where now I like took it off because <laughs> everyone says it. Um, yeah. But it is true mm-hmm. and it's a trope now for a reason. We have to in life find ourselves not be afraid of it and own our truth and live it out loud. And it's not an easy thing to do. And everyone has insecurities. Everyone has problems. Everyone, no one's perfect. I, I have been in very intense therapy for two and a half years Mm. and to deal with things I didn't know I needed to deal with. Mm. One of which was the fact that I lived stealth for five years. Um, I did not go into therapy for that reason, but it has come out that like mm. the damage I just did to myself by living in secret and, Ugh. or not just closing, I would say. And um, there's a point to this. Mm. I, I, I think what I'm trying to say is we all have our own shit that we go through. Yeah. And the point of life is to figure it out and work on ourselves 
and deal with the traumas that, that and the cards that we've been dealt. And it's not easy, mm. but I think everyone's mission in life is to be their true selves and to yeah. own it and work with what they've got. I agree. And I know how ridiculous that can seem coming from someone like me who fits the mold of what a beauty standard is. Like I'm not, you know, I, I don't like to sound cocky, but I also don't want to sound stupid. Like I know that I am, you know, fortunate in that way. And so it can sound stupid or easy. Oh, it's easy for her to say that. But you know, everybody has problems with themselves. I was just on a trip to Puerto Rico and I'll say like, you know, I'm fine. I'm skinny. Not let, I, yeah. not that skinny means strong. I like feeling strong and I don't feel strong right now. Like I haven't worked out in a long time and sure. pre-pandemic, I was working out all the time. Sure. I felt incredible. Yeah. And then pandemic happens and I gave up on working out. And for me, I gained weight. For me, I lost my muscles. I, for me, you know, I became unhappy with my body and I went on this trip to Puerto Rico and I looked fine. I'm sure people would still love to look the way I looked, but I still saw photos myself and I'm like, fuck, like, I wish my body looked better, but I'm posting photos about it anyway. And one of my friends is really upset that I'm posting a couple photos that she's in and she looks so beautiful Mm. and just hates the way that she looks. And I I, I wish that she could see what others see about her because she looks gorgeous and people would pay big money to look the way she does, but still it doesn't make it better. You know, she has the insecurity Mm -hmm. and that's her thing and, and she's uncomfortable and that's something she has to deal with. And like, it doesn't matter how beautiful, skinny, you know, whatever you are, like people still have problems. Yes. And so no one's alone, you know, it's yeah. not just because you're LGBTQIA plus, it's not just because of one thing or the other, like everybody yeah. on this planet is going through something. Yes. And that, that makes me feel better. Yes. And I hope it makes others feel better. Yes. And I love that you're taking the space to acknowledge your privilege. That is great. And yes, there is also so much pain in your own story. I was so taken aback when you said that you were in secret and you didn't know the level of hurt you had caused yourself. I mean, that is profound when you feel like you have done something so harmful to yourself and you ask, how could I have done this to myself? That's hurt on a significant level. And so Yes, you are privileged. And yes, you have been through a lot of pain. But worth it. Yes, always. Always, right? Like I wouldn't be who I am today without it. And a lot Uh, of yeah. I used to question like, why me? Why was I born transgender? Why can I be born cis? And then I think, oh God, you would have been the worst. (laughs) You would have been the worst. Privileged, more privileged, ungrateful bitch. And I've definitely been a bitch. I've definitely had my Regina George phases. I've definitely, you know, whatever. But being transgender is my superpower. Mm. It made me who I am. And it has been my life's struggle. And it's also been the greatest gift. It makes me special. And has made me, it has been so rewarding, Mm. especially knowing for a fact that I have helped and changed people's lives. You know, I get a lot of messages from transgender people who are older and and I, I love getting messages from trans kids and parents of transgender children, but 
when I get messages from older transgender people who have not transitioned yet or never will or are transitioning now or have transitioned recently and they are happy that I've transitioned young, it means the world to me. I love when I can hear like, I'm so glad that you were able to do this because I couldn't back then and it gives me the future because I was told once by someone... I right before I came out publicly, I told someone that I was transgender and they said to me, a man, go figure. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably shouldn't come out because trans people will hate you. And it to this day sits with me. Oh. That am because of my privilege, because of my support, because of whatever, will trans people hate me? And wow. so get messages from older trans people that it helps them. It, it means so much to me that I can be a light for someone who might never get to be who they really want to be or are just starting at six, 50, 60, 70, 80 years yeah. old themselves. And it, it's really nice. And I, I can't imagine that being anyone else, like mm. if I were anyone else, maybe I wouldn't have helped someone or to the people, to the trans kids of today who are so depressed, they see me and they're like, wow, like I'm going to be okay. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, I didn't get that when I was younger. And so the fact that like all my hurt and struggle can be worth it for someone is, mm-hmm. I, I can't ask, I, I, I could die happy knowing I've changed people's lives. And mm-hmm. I, want, I mean, I obviously have a lot more work to do and I want to change more people's lives and of I want course. to change level, but yes. like I know I've done oh. something with what I've got. And mm. it's, I say that for every person, transgender or cisgender, like it's about what you do with the cards that you've been dealt. And I hope that people are able to see that they can do something with whatever they have been dealt in life. Mm. It is always, it can always and will always get better and and I hope people understand that and it helps yeah. them. Yes. Yes, completely. I mean, my heart is breaking for you that that sits that question of, you know, if larger society doesn't accept me and then even within the transgender community, I'm not accepted, where where do I go to find community? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I... My God. I don't... I'll, oftentimes, it's not that I feel like I don't belong but I always kind of just feel like an observer or on the outskirts of everything in high school outskirts. I was not a loser, but I wasn't popular. Loser is a bad word, but like, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I wasn't not popular, but I wasn't popular. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in college. Well, college, I was very popular, but I didn't have one exact, that's not true, but like, I didn't always have an exact group or I didn't have friends or after college, you know, I didn't have a sense of community. I moved to Los Angeles and started assimilating myself into the LGBTQI plus community, but I don't feel comfortable in this, in the pride community here. And I do feel comfortable, more comfortable with the cis community, but that's because I lived cis for five years, mm. you know, as I, 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 I convinced everyone and myself that I was cisgender. And so it's like, I don't even feel like I fit in with my own people. Oh God. But at least I feel okay somewhere. Like I have a transgender uh, female friend who does not feel comfortable not going to gay bars, but then dating is hard for her because she's not going and meeting cis heterosexual men or let's just say heterosexual men because she's at the gay bars. 
right. because that's where she feels more comfortable, mm. but she's mm-hmm. not being able to find someone. And so, you know, at least I feel comfortable in this, this world, but at the same time, I don't necessarily feel that comfortable in the LGBTQI place world. And it's not because of them. Mm. It's because I have not been conditioned to feel comfortable there. Oh. You know, that's something I'm working on is assimilating myself more into the community and feeling, you know, I do during Pride Month, I do during certain times, but, you know, I don't know how comfortable I would feel going to a gay bar, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I do it and I have fun, but I also, part of it is like, I like attention from straight men and they're not there. So sure. But, and I don't want this to come off as like, woe is me, like, wah, wah, wah. But like, this it, is, is inter- it is interesting. This is huge, right? We're, we're trying to find places where we feel safe to be our full self. And you're wondering, you know, how, if this is your fault that you don't feel safe, but also you've gotten so many messages along the way that have told you that this isn't a safe place for you. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense that you'd be feeling that. Yeah. I also think that like, again, going back to everyone's going to go through something. So this is what I'm going through. It's going to make it better. It's going to make me stronger. And it's going to result in me helping someone else feel Mm -hmm. like they belong somewhere. Yes. And I think that's why social media can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. It creates a community space online where it's a safer environment than in person, a place, a person who doesn't have their place of worship, their home or their school or their friend group to feel comfortable. They can go online maybe and feel comfortable or they can go to my page and feel comfortable. You know, that's where social media is a good thing. And so all these trials and tribulations that I've gone through myself, like, and am going through will help someone someday. Yes. So it's worth it. It's worth it. Always. Yes. Yes, and acknowledging the pain that is still there is part of the healing process, right? Absolutely. And even for someone who might say they might there might be someone listening that has the same exact feelings that you do where they're like I am a success story and yet I still feel like I struggle to feel like I'm fully in this community. And to them, this pain that you're expressing, right, will resonate on a level that maybe no other words or no other person could express. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, so much. It's a lot, but I think I've also had time to come to terms with it. Yeah. And make it okay for myself. And I'm also in therapy. So that that helps too. Yes. Yeah. I'm really glad that you have those spaces to talk it out and to process. I think that is such a part of the healing process is to have – the room to talk and think and be held in unconditional positive regard. Yeah. And, and, and in thinking about it now, that's also a privilege having therapy. Yes, and having it is. And another thing that isn't in our curriculums, no. you know, I know we have guidance counselors and nurses, but schools from elementary school, even fucking, you know, well, yeah, elementary school, should have places for, for kids okay. to have a safe space to talk to a professional without judgment um, or fear of them going to the principal or yep. something like that. And yep. I know that therapy is a, a hot topic for people. It makes them feel like there's something wrong with themselves. There should, you should be going to therapy before there's a problem. You should be going to therapy 
before there are things that you need to deal with so that when there are things to deal with, because that is life, you are going to have to deal with things. You have already a yes. support. You have an understanding. The amount of self-reflection that I've gained in the last two and a half years mm. from being a self-reflective person is insane. I mean, I, I am not the same person that I was a month ago. Mm. I am not the same person that I was at the beginning of November, right before I met my boyfriend. I am not the same person that I was two and a half years ago for the reason why I went to therapy. Yeah. I'm not the same person that I was in college when I lived out mm. or in New York after college or in high school when I was transitioning or in high school, middle school, elementary school before I transitioned. Yeah. And no one should be the same either. And we are, or I believe, an evolving species. Yeah. And I think our new survival of the fittest are those who progress in their brain and those who progress in their outlook on life. And the ones who aren't, like people maybe who are anti-vax and dying, are not going to make it. The ones who are, you know, voting conservative because they're greedy or whatever, you know, probably won't make it that much longer in human history. Though I will say human history might not be much longer in general in the next right. nine years if we don't fucking get this climate change under control. Right, right. So we might have to be wiped out anyway. Yeah, and- <laughs> the animals might be thrilled in a couple of years. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, and I have a huge fear of sharks, but I know these sharks are going to be, uh, you know, doing backflips by the time humans are erased from this planet. Yeah. Um, we don't drain all the water. Like, yeah. It's, 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 something's got to give at some point. Mm. And I think because of how Trump handled pandemic and Black Lives Matter, we were able to wake up. And actually, and I've said this publicly before, I think Trump needed to win the election back in the day for us to wake the fuck up. I Mm. think, well, I was a Bernie fan, but I was also a Hillary fan and have always loved Hillary Clinton because of her whole life's work. But and, you know, I don't know what seedy shit all politicians do behind the scenes. From what I know, I've always loved, you know, Hillary Clinton. And I think that if she would have won, we would have stayed the same. Mm. I don't think we would have woken up enough. Me being from Los Angeles and New York and my worlds, my bubbles of Los Angeles and New York uh, being my bases, I did not realize how racist, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, uh, everything phobic the world was. Yeah. everything but apparently orange phobic um and so when he won it was the biggest wake-up call of my life and everyone's I'm sure yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people 70 yes. million people's lives for sure and slash, not to mention everyone else around the world <sighs> and so when that happened we woke up or we started to and then when the new election started happening and you know then the pandemic happened and Black Lives Matter was going on, or the, the bigger liberation of the Black Lives Matter movement was going on, plus the uh, storming of the Capitol, all these things, the way all of that was held, you know, really, even though he had lost the election at that point, well, he lost it both times, but we won't go into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, how he handled all of that has just made us wake up more. And I think that we will not be able to go back to sleep. Mm. I don't 
social media will let us go back to sleep. I don't think influencers and people like myself, uh, movie makers like myself are going to let the world go back to sleep. And that I have some, some hope in for the future. People like Greta Thunberg, who like, you know, I know it's cliche at this point to mention her, but like who the fuck else is doing it besides her? I don't know anyone else you know, yeah. talking about the way that she's talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know AOC is a hot topic. I don't know much about her, but I think what she's doing is great. You know, I don't know, but like there are some people, Bernie Sanders, there are some people who are talking about the things that need to be talked about, but not enough. Right. So I think it will only escalate and we will only continue to evolve. And the people who de-evolve, if that's even a word, will die out as horrible as that fucking is to say. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to end up happening. But also, they're probably thinking that about us. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but (laughs) it's just so crazy to me. I can't even comprehend the other side that is trying to control other people's lives, but talks about being about all about freedom and liberation. But then this, yeah, the second you want some, they're like, no, absolutely not. That goes against our other values. (laughs) And you're like, what do you care? Like, why do you care? Exactly. I think that's my thing is I think that the people, there's a lot of people that are more liberal and they just say, I don't care. It's not my life. People can do whatever we want. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. We need to move towards that level of acceptance for the diversity of the human experience. Exactly what you were saying earlier, that there's so many different ways that this is going to unfold because each human is unique. And some other people get really afraid when you start saying things like that because it doesn't fit into their understanding of society, what it means to be a human, what it means for them to be male and all that sort of stuff freaks them out to which then they're like stay away i want control you can't live the life you want to live and also that people. level what sorry 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 continue that level oh, yeah just like even that level of control of other people and inability to just let people live how they want to live yeah i do think that is de-evolving right we're moving as a species towards a more global connected community with the internet and you've got to hold space for these all these people and so yeah i think i think you're right again ego it just it comes down it's scary i think it's scary too because then it like you know if i see someone else portraying a different understanding of sexuality and gender it freaks me out because what does that say about me, right? Who who am I then? And I think that's the deeper level to all of this is that at its core, it's making them inherently unstable in their own understanding of stealth of their self. And so yeah. then that is scary. Those are the moments when humans start to say, I want to control the situation and say that's wrong because it freaks yeah. me out about me. Yes, absolutely. And people who understand themselves are the people who say, I don't care what you do over there. That does, I don't care. You do what you want to do. Don't hurt me. It's awesome. like, yeah, that deeper understanding. And, and, and people who are secure with themselves. And I think it is a huge insecurity is a huge problem that we face uh, as a human species. Yeah. And it is hard to overcome, but we also aren't giving people the tools to do it. Yeah. Um, again, therapy. Again, you know, knowing that everyone is different and that's okay. Why aren't we being taught about all these different things? And 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 not just taught about it, but saying, hey, it doesn't have to be for you, but you yeah. got to respect it. It's got to be okay for you. Just got to accept it. Yep. It doesn't have to be for you. That's that. They don't, they're not bothering me. They're not hurting me. They're not offending me. They're good people, you know? So what the fuck do I care? As long as no one's harming each other or doing anything negative for themselves or the world, why would I give a flying fuck what they do? 
I just don't care. I mm-hmm. There are bigger fish to fry. As Kourtney Kardashian would say, Kim, there are people that are literally dying. You know, like there are bigger things in this world. Mm-hmm. And also within myself. Yeah. Like I've got my own shit that I need to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't concern myself. And I, I just wish that everyone had that same mentality. Mm. And they don't. And so that's the world that we're in and it might change and it might not. And that's, and we just got to be okay with it. Right. And I, I hope personally, that's what this podcast can serve as is right. Is like all these different voices, some of which I don't understand myself and which I come in and say, Hey, please tell me about it because I've had my own thoughts about these issues. Right. And I feel like, how can we get more to a space of bringing in acceptance for the diversity of how people want to show up in this world. It's so crazy to me. And I think part of what it is and the way that we make this world a better place. I remember talking to my mentor and it was originally one of the things that made me want to start the podcast was, was like how it was after my sexual assault and like just my frustrations with the patriarchy. And uh, um, I was like, how do we get men to change and she was like you gotta start having conversations you gotta start talking to people and it is through conversations that we exchange ideas and reflect and learn and sit back and think wow maybe that was a bias that I had that I need to check on that myself and then that's done through vulnerability right of me or you showing up and saying I didn't know this I was wrong I learned And that's powerful. And a lot of people don't do that. They try to be like, nothing's wrong with me or I'm too strong to need other people's help or or mess up ever. And it's like coming with vulnerability to the learning process that is expanding our space and empathy for other people is huge. Yes. And to that point, I studied abroad in Amsterdam my junior year of college. And I was a sociology minor and Mm. I took sociology of gender a lot. That was my emphasis. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a class and we had to write a, I, we had to write a research paper on gender and sexuality. I wrote mine on the difference between transitioning between the Netherlands and the U S and in all of my lectures and all of the stuff in America, when I had studied sociology of gender, it was totally different than when I studied it in Amsterdam. One of the reasons was our classes were not lecture style. They were conversation style. So we all sat in a circle with our professors and our peers. And it was a conversation. And I never forget my professor in Amsterdam said, you know, we retain 82% more information through conversation than we wow. do. The and that's why we're going to sit in a circle. And so it's so true. We mm. learn more and retain more through a conversation than we do by being lectured at in a classroom, at church or temple or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's I and I, I I when I left Amsterdam I said I learned more in my five months here than I ever learned in my however wow. length because we were it was a conversation mm-hmm. it didn't have to be right or wrong it was just part of a conversation and I learned mm-hmm. so much wow. and so you know I went on to go and I interviewed these trans people about how they transitioned in. Uh, the Netherlands. And of course I had my own experience of transitioning in the U S that I could compare it to. And in talking with them, that was actually the reason why I discovered that like transgender people have been around since the beginning of time and that it was okay. And that it was normal and that it was only the recent history that we've been ostracized. Um, You know, going back to cavemen and and mummies and uh, Aztec Incan Mayan cultures, uh, ancient uh, Chinese civilizations, intersex, third sex, uh, two spirit, yeah. all these 
ways, uh, g- uh, male g- genetic quote unquote bones in a female quote unquote burial style. I mean, beginning of time, this has been around. Gender was fluid. There was no structure around it. And then in recent history, we structurized it and we categorized it and we shipped people off who didn't fit into these categories that we wanted it to. I realized that in these classes in Amsterdam, I realized that when I interviewed these two transgender people for my paper, Mm. and then I was able to compare it to my own transition. And it was how I started to stop saying, why me? Why Mm. were we born this way? And started to realize I was born this way and I was put in this body in this lifetime for a very specific reason. And when I went back to college, I I finished out my senior year. Caitlyn Jenner came out towards the end of my senior year of college. I waited a year. I came out through my blog. I moved to Los Angeles and I started this career of saying, hey, we are okay. We are born this way for a reason and let's fucking rock and roll. Mm. And without all of those lessons, I would not have gotten here. And learned all of that. Wow. And I think it's important that we study. It's so interesting to me that like, yeah, sure. I transitioned, but I learned about gender. and I studied gender and sexuality. To be right. Able to learn stuff. right. And it's not taught in our primary schooling. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. No one is given the option to learn and educate themselves and and have the tools to know about all of this yeah and that's the problem that's the root of the problem right there we just Mm. need to be given the tools and then we can make decisions Mm. Mm. and that's why you're such a bright light to be using your voice for these things well thank you i appreciate that Mm. it is right i mean your story is your truth and that will resonate with people. And I know that, right? That's very true. Yes. Yeah. It's very powerful. And I'm so happy that we have you and this light in the world. I'm thankful for you. If you don't hear that enough, I want to say that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And thank you for having me on. This is so great. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Is there anything else that you felt like you really wanted to hit before you chatted today? I always like to hold a little bit of space towards the end. I feel like we've covered a lot. Oh, we did. Um, yeah. You know, I just want people to know that it's okay to not be okay. And that you also have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And that no matter what, anything can get better mm. and will get better when the time is right. And um, no one's really alone. They can't possibly be alone today. I don't think the internet would make let up. <laughs> so yeah, just know that like, you know, you're not alone and everyone, if I haven't said it enough on this podcast, everyone has their own shit. We're all yeah. going through it. And I think we just really need to come together and have more understanding and respect for one another. And um, hopefully the world will become a better place. Yeah, exactly. Reach out to other people. I feel like that's one of the biggest things is we sit in our head thinking, I'm the only one suffering from this. I'm the only one that feels this badly about myself and what I'm going through. But exactly like you said, everyone is going through this level of pain at times and it's always ups and downs. And I have found in my own experience by pouring open before other people to say, this is where I'm hurting. It's much easier for that love and openness and vulnerability to be brought back. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of almost answered it because the one question I do ask everybody is 
what is one thing you wish other people knew was more normal? Uh, well, kinda, yeah, 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 I know that's sounds like you kind of hit it, <laughs> right? Um, is that you're not alone. Yeah. That, yeah. That you're not alone. And that, you know, that of course being transgender or, or gender is a complete and utter social construct. Um, but also that, yeah, I want people to really know that it can and will get better when the time is right for you yes. and it doesn't look the same for anybody. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was so great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Is there anywhere you'd want to plug to people? I know you mentioned your blog, but was there any other? Yeah, um, definitely visit me and, and, and find out about my story on CoreyRay.com. Um, and please follow me on Instagram at I'm Corey Ray and on TikTok at Corey Ray. Yeah, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Ooh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.